Back with another designated for assignment podcast. Rob Wong, Josh Goldberg with you. As always, get us on Twitter at DFA underscore pod, at Rob Wong 34, and at Goldberg 12 It is the final DFA pod of the regular season. We do plan on uh, doing one, of course, heading into the postseason once we find out who the Blue Jays are actually going to play. Still a lot up in the air. And as we record this, uh, just before the Blue Jays and Orioles are scheduled to take the field in the first of the Blue Jays' final three games. So we don't even know if they're going to play, Josh, because the uh, weather is pretty terrible in Baltimore for the next uh, several days. The remnants of the hurricane, of course, uh, wreaking havoc in that area as tends to happen when it is hurricane season there's a lot of different things that could uh, go on here if the blue jays are unable to play say monday night and tuesday nights uh, the playoffs are supposed to begin on friday i mean we don't know what's going to happen obviously uh, seattle hosting detroit for the final four games of their season the magic number sitting at two right now but Crazy to think that uh, we're in a spot here where just a lot of different things may occur before the first wildcard game on Friday. Yeah, I think that the the only thing that Blue Jays fans, I think, are excited about and probably are taking solace in is the fact that there is no possible way that the Jays are going to have to go to Tampa Bay (laughs) for the wildcard series. That's out. So that's good, obviously, that that is not going to be in the cards. And yeah, lots can happen. The weather is certainly going to be a factor here. And hopefully, you know, there are no schedule situations where like, are you playing double headers or something like that? You don't want anything out of the ordinary to happen before the off day. And then the wild card series, like a uh, perfect world is, you know, the, the, the rain is good. And it seems like uh, the rain has stopped. You're we're seeing some tweets from Baltimore. So that's good. But you know, perfect world. You win tonight, you get some help and then that's it. You don't have really have to worry about anything, but you know, the, just find a way to not have to go to Seattle because, you know, just I, like a lot would have to go wrong for the Jays and right for Seattle for that to happen. And that would be a boost in and of itself to Seattle and a kind of a deflating situation for the blue Jays and to have to fly cross country, uh, with one off day against that team that is going to, like, if, if it is in Seattle, that would be some home field advantage as great as the Rogers center is and will be, you know, the, that's two decades worth of pent up frustration. You know, like, I don't know if Jays fans are necessarily going to be in, able to invade the way that they normally do in the regular season with so much notice for tickets. So by all, by any means necessary, just find a way to whittle that magic number down to zero and host the series because no matter what has happened of late with the Jays uh, up until the series against Boston, some struggles at home since the all-star break, some inconsistency, you still take your chances with a three games at home. You need to win two in the, in a playoff situation. The Roger center is a way different animal in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. You know, I'm taking my chances with that and and not uh, saying, Oh, well, the Jays have been great on the road. Like they're a great road team. They should be able to win two out of three. I don't want to bring that into the equation. I want the home games. I want that comfort. Yeah, and there's a lot of different reasons, of course, of why you would want the games at home, uh, even to the point where it's that extra revenue 
And uh, obviously that'll help uh, line the pockets of ownership and maybe uh, make them want to spend some more money uh, come the off season. Obviously a big, long playoff run would help in a lot of that. I mean, two uh, home games in the playoffs, uh, probably not enough to, you know, make you feel great, but still better than uh, losing two on the road, potentially uh, in Seattle. And it's so funny because last time, you know, I think we spoke heading into the final couple of weeks of the season here. And I even tweeted it out that, you know, I thought Tampa Bay was the better matchup. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's still close to be honest with you, but I think, you know, just from what I've seen from Seattle, uh, the offense has been definitely not good recently. Uh, Julio Rodriguez being out um, definitely affects that, but they've just got a lot of guys that are underperforming right now. And you look at that starting rotation, which, you know, Robbie Ray having a good season, not as good as he was last year. Uh, Logan Gilbert, very talented young pitcher. Luis Castillo, obviously, uh, has been fantastic all season long. But maybe that pitching matchup isn't as you know daunting as maybe it seemed a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Robbie Ray clearly has home run issues. We saw like nobody's hitting home runs off of him uh, in his last start against the Oakland A's. Um, you know, Logan Gilbert, like I said, is, is solid, but it's not as if he's, you know, some world beater that the Jays, um, can't get to. And like I mentioned with the Mariners offense really scuffling right now, I, you know, mentioned it before they can hit bombs, but you know, there's a lot of guys on that team that just are not particularly good hitters that are playing, you know, every single day, like JP Crawford, not a great hitter. You're not terrified of him. You know, Abraham Toro is playing a lot of games right now. He's having a terrible season. Um, So while Julio Rodriguez is a superstar, you know, there are some holes in that lineup. Um, Whereas, you know, the Rays, they just have terrifying pitching uh, up and down their bullpen, up and down their rotation. I know Shane McClanahan has, you know, faltered a little bit here, um, you know, since coming back from that, uh, those injuries that he's been dealing with. But is it possible, Josh, that the worm has turned and Seattle might actually be the preferable matchup? I honestly still would say no, because I just... Rodriguez is just not a player I want to have to deal with in the playoffs. He's a strikes me as a big game player. You know, we talk about how I think a lot of people rightly so believe Alec Manoa is sort of his makeup is built for big games and postseason would fall into that category. I think J rod is the same way. He's going to win rookie of the year. He's electric, all of those things. He's everything you could want to build your team around. And, he's the engine that makes that thing go. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they've struggled offensively without him. I know Suarez is back, but what level is he at with the thumb fracture or whatever it was? Is he a hundred percent or anywhere near? Probably not sure. That's sapping some of his power. And they've had a lot of guys who have underperformed uh, this year relative to expectations, you know, like Adam Frazier has been terrible. Jesse Winker hasn't had a particularly good year. Hanniger has been banged up, but those are all guys who have the level of talent uh, necessary to get hot and figure it out. And there's more guys in that lineup um, that I would say concern me than the Rays. And like, I know that the Rays do a better job hitting right-handed pitching, which, um, you know, the Jays are going to th- exclusively throw at you in the playoffs, but there's still not a lot in that lineup outside of just being plucky in the Rays and it's the Rays and the Jays that really, I think, makes me feel that concern. Tampa's got solid pitching. You know, they're, they're a three-headed monster, McClanahan, uh, Springs, and Rasmussen is solid, but 
like I just I I would rather still rather see them consider even can, taking into consideration all of the baggage that is associated with the Rays. I just feel like Seattle, you know, there's something there. They make the playoffs. They have a lot of talent. They have a great bullpen. They can win those close games. They can break through with the odd home run. I just feel like there's something there that makes me feel a little bit squeamish uh, taking them on as opposed to taking on the race. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, the Blue Jays are still up and down more talented than either of these teams. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, But it's not as if, you know, the Blue Jays would be massive favorites in a series with either of these teams, because as you said, they both offer, you know, something that uh, is scary. And uh, the Rays, even with their, you know, rinky dink offense and Harold Ramirez seemingly hitting every ground ball through the infield, like, you know, they um, have enough pieces that, you know, they can uh, win easily a three game series. And same with uh, the Mariners, as you touched on. So uh, it just kind of goes back and forth every day for me, like which team uh, I would would rather face if I were the Blue Jays and as it stands right now I mean the Mariners are the favorites to be coming to Toronto so you know barring their epic and you know an epic collapse here uh, against the Detroit Tigers who are playing better but still you know fucking terrible um, looks like the Mariners are going to be coming to Toronto to square off against the Blue Jays so um, either way it's going to be an interesting matchup for the Blue Jays whether it's uh, Seattle or Tampa Bay but of course so uh, we'll talk about more uh, we'll talk more about that uh, as we get later into the week uh, once we finally know uh, where the Blue Jays are going to be playing and who they are going to be playing but let's uh, talk about the Blue Jays who have uh, done a really good job here Josh of uh, writing the ship I think uh, the confidence is high not, not, not only in the clubhouse but obviously with the fan base right now uh, the offense has uh, looked good uh, has all season against the terrible Boston Red Sox, but uh, the pitching has uh, looked solid as well. And you feel good about, you know, where guys like Alec Manoa and Ross Stripling are. A little bit of concern, of course, with Kevin Gossman leaving his last start with that cut on his middle finger. But by all accounts, he's going to be fine and ready uh, when it is his turn uh, come the playoffs. And I guess we could start there uh, with the rotation. A lot of questions right now about who pitches after Alec Manoa, because I think we're all pretty much locked in that he's going to get that game one start, whether it's in Toronto, whether it's in Seattle, but you know, some people are making the case that maybe you go Ross Stripling in game two and save Kevin Gosman for that third game. You're going to have to win a non Kevin Gosman start, you know, in the first round, no matter what, but is that getting a little bit too cute starting Kevin Gosman uh, in a, you know, possible game three, as opposed to throwing him right after Manoa in game number two. I think, you know, considering all of them will be on regular rest or extended rest when the playoffs roll around on Friday, I think you have the luxury of maybe making the decision based on how game one goes, right? If if you win, um, do you say, yeah, like I, I, I'm okay with maybe going to stripling in game two in that situation and then saving um, Gosman for a game three. And then, you know, you have Manoa ready to go early on in uh, the potential ALCS against the Astros. I know that would potentially mean Jose Barrio starts game one of the ALDS, which I wouldn't say is super ideal, but like I could see both sides of the coin. I'm probably more of the, if you go up one, nothing, you go for the jugular, you go with Gosman and, you know, if Stripling needs to start game three, you can't get it done. Ross Stripling's been able to do the job all season long. You shouldn't feel 
significantly worse just because, oh, well, it's the playoffs. It's totally different. He's just going to spontaneously combust. Maybe that happens, but there's no real tangible thing there that should make you believe that. You should feel pretty confident in Ross Stripling's ability to give you four or five or maybe more than that, but probably somewhere around that quality innings and then turn it over to whoever in the bullpen um, to try and get you the rest of the way. So for me, I think it probably is a little bit too cute. I'm going for it uh, regardless. Like I'm starting Gosman in game two, no matter what happens in game one, he's the guy I want that alignment. And um, you know, if you go, if you get swept with your two best guys on the mound, then, you know, so be it. And if you need Ross Stripling to win you game three, uh, either way, whether you win or lose game two, um, I'm good with that. And I'll ride with him like has been the case for the better part of a couple of months. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you as well for the most part. I can totally understand the opposite of that where, you know, if you win game one, you throw Ross Stripling out there and, uh, you know, hope he can get it done. You have a lot of faith in him. And if you win those two games, then, um, you know, you got Kevin Gossman for game one of the uh, ALDS. But uh, I I just think, yeah, you don't get cute with it. You just try to win this series as fast as you can. Like, you don't want to get to a game three. Like, yeah. I don't think either team wants to do that, um, whoever the Blue Jays are playing. So just put your two horses out there. And, you know, Kevin Gossman, I think, you know, barring something crazy, he's always going to go out there and give you at least, you know, five, six innings. Um, And not that Ross Stripling can't, but I obviously feel a little bit more confident Kevin Gossman uh, doing that. Whereas, you know, maybe if Ross Stripling can only go two times through an order, you might have to burn your bullpen a little bit in game number two. And then if you lose that game and you go to game number three, like, are you going to have, uh, your full complement of arms uh, ready for that deciding yeah. game. So I just think, you know, going Manoa Gossman one, two gives you a little bit more of a buffer um, that, you know, bullpen guys are going to have to pitch a lot. Uh, if this goes three anyways, I mean, we may see Jordan Romano pitch three days straight uh, and some of these other guys, if that is uh, the way things go. Uh, but yeah, just uh, feels like a situation where you go with your one, two, and then uh, whatever happens in game three with Ross Stripling, then uh, you just take it. And uh, hopefully it works out in your favor. So the offense, uh, like I mentioned, starting to come around. Uh, two guys in particular, which you love to see, Teoscar Hernandez back in the cleanup spot on Sunday. You know, I, I was wondering when they were going to make that change. He had been kind of batting in that sixth hole for a while uh, with Alejandro Kirk batting four, Matt Chapman five, and then uh, obviously uh, John Schneider makes the switch and goes back to Teoscar there uh, in the top four. Massive series against the Red Sox. Uh, you love to see it when Teoscar, you know, gets red hot. Nobody hits better looking home runs on this team sometimes uh, when he's at the plate. Uh, but to have, you know, George Springer, you know, turning things around, Bo Bichette continues to be hot, you know, hit or miss still with uh, Vladdy. Uh, but, you know, to have Teoscar going the way he's going right now just makes that top four so much more formidable. Not that Alejandro Kirk, you know, hasn't been good. He's been, you know, fine. Uh, not the level that he was at the beginning of the season, but it just feels, I think, for me, more dangerous when Teoscar is going well and having him in that cleanup spot. Yeah, I've, uh, for as long as I can remember, been saying that I think Teoscar Hernandez is the guy who should be cleaning up when he's in the lineup for this team. I understand that there's been some slumps and, and and whatnot. He struggled at times this year to stay healthy and then, you know, really struggled in late, mid, late August and even somewhat into September. But he just, I just want him there. I, he just, 
fits better than anyone else. Like I know that there's some strikeout warts there, but the same thing is an issue with Chapman and, you know, Kirk to me, the, the extra base hit pop has just sort of vanished a little bit. He just hasn't really had it much uh, in a while. And that's not to say that he's not uh, been productive. He's still hitting and has had a relatively good month of September in terms of the batting average, but like his slugging is on base plus slugging extra base hits. Like I said, just have sort of dried up and he's too much of a a ground ball slash double play liability in that situation. And I I would rather have like to Oscar, at least if he hits a ball on the ground, there's a decent chance uh, better probably than 50, 50 chance that he's going to beat it out and not necessarily hit you out of an inning type situation. So I want him there, no doubt. And he's one of those hitters who, like a lot of guys on this team, they run hot, they run cold, but you're just hoping that at the right time of year, you are back on one of those hot streaks and you're capable of carrying things a little bit for five or seven games. And that's really all you need in the playoffs is a handful of guys to get hot at the right time. And there's enough talent here that if that happens, that you might be able to sustain a run into you know the American League Championship Series or who knows maybe even the World Series it's not just about offense but that's obviously going to play a big role in where the Blue Jays want to go and you know, like outside of Laddie and Chapman right now I would say that most of the other guys especially the bottom third of the order and Teoscar of late are going pretty strong And that should make you feel pretty solid about where this club is as a whole in terms of an offensive identity before the most important games of the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like we said, Kirk, it's not as if he's playing poorly, still playing solid. And to have him, you know, batting fifth or sixth in this lineup uh, is great. Danny Jansen, of course, has been swinging a hot bat, which uh, you love to see always. And the one guy that has just turned around his perception uh, within this fan base, within this city, uh, since he was acquired at the trade deadline. Whit Merrifield, who just got off to like a horrendous start, has looked like the guy who a couple of years ago was leading uh, the major leagues in hits or the American League in hits. And here he is just uh, swatting the ball everywhere, over the fence, into the gaps, down the line, uh, batting ninth in this lineup, playing second base uh, every day. I did not expect this. I mean, I don't think a lot of people did because it wasn't as if he was productive even earlier this season playing every day uh, with the Kansas City Royals. But uh, he has found his footing uh, at the right time. Clearly, the you know lineup was going even without what Merrifield, but to have him in the bottom third of that lineup, and I know a lot of people have you know talked about this on social media, just how productive six, seven, you know, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine has been for this Blue Jays team. It's you know arguably the best bottom third of a lineup in all of Major League Baseball this year. Um, but man, I did not expect to be you know talking in the final week of the season that Whit Merrifield might be an X factor heading into the postseason. It's kind of mind blowing. To me, there's no might about it. Like If he's hitting anywhere near this level, he's a huge potential swing type of player because you know you, you want somebody who's not going to strike out a ton in the postseason, who's going to make contact, who can wreak a little bit of havoc on the base pass, who can, if he's in the bottom third of the order, can turn the lineup over to your big guys. And Whit Merrifield absolutely fits the bill right now. His last 15 games heading into the series with Baltimore sitting 400. He's got four home runs. You know, he, he hit uh, a bunch of them in that race series, but you know, he went to the 200 level to complete the sweep of, uh, of the Red Sox on Sunday. 
consistently good at bats, right? Like early on. And I think, you know, it was easy to see, well, you know, he was bad at points this year with Kansas city. And then he was good before the trade. And it was like, Oh, well, he's bad again because he was bad earlier in the year. Maybe he's just bad now. And then you step out and you see that with more time, he's gotten more comfortable, more acclimated, uh, you know, it was a big adjustment. You know, like there was obviously the vaccine stuff, you know, who knows exactly what was going on there. He made the decision to obviously get it. And he was coming to a new team, was a homegrown prospect from the Royals uh, for the Royals for a long time, played there. Big adjustment, was an everyday player, basically played every game uh, year in and year out for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden he is barely playing. It seemed like he was playing once or twice a week at most when things were really bad for him. And then, you know, you press a little bit in that situation. Every at bat takes on more meaning. It's magnified. And then the struggles kind of domino on you a little bit. And I think that happened. And then the Espinal injury ended up being a huge break for him because, you know, Espinal doesn't get hurt. Does the Whit Merrifield breakout, whatever you want to call it, happen? Very good possibility. The answer is no. And, you know, Espinal is coming back. If he's healthy, it sounds like he's going to be good to go for the start of the postseason. We'll see what happens here over the next couple of days. He's not stepping back into much other than, you know, some at-bats against lefties, pinch hit, defensive replacement, that sort of thing. Whit Merrifield's your guy now. It, well, I guess, as, especially at second base, we'll see what happens with Lourdes. Like, maybe he is a starting outfielder, especially against left-handed pitching, and then you got Espinal's bat in at second base, and then you have two righties against uh, a lefty in, in a situation against Robbie Ray, for example. But regardless, Whit Merrifield's playing right now in every configuration when the postseason starts. And that is a wild thing to say, considering where we were, you know, about four weeks ago. Yeah. And I think, you know, there could be some interesting versions of the lineup with Whit Merrifield and Santiago Espinal back. And, and the latest update that we have from John Schneider is that, you know, both uh, Griel Jr. and Espinal are trending towards being ready for the wild card round, which is good. Uh, that being said, it seems like for Guriel Jr., um, he might only be able to pinch hit to start, uh, which isn't great, of course, uh, dealing with that hamstring injury. But like I like even if he's not able to uh, field and be out there, like you're just not not taking Lourdes Goriel Jr. If he can swing a bat for you, you know, being able to come off the bench. But, you know, you might even see a situation where against a lefty, whether it's, you know, Robbie Ray or Shane McClanahan, like maybe you start Whit Merrifield in the outfield. Maybe he plays left field and Santiago Espinal can play second base. Uh, in that configuration, because you're not starting. I'm not starting Rymel Tapia or Kevin Biggio uh, with a lefty on the mound. Like no. I'm just not. And the good thing for Whit Merrifield is that he's hitting lefties and righties right now. So like I don't even want to see Kevin Biggio, you know, get a start in a game one against a righty. Like I want Whit Merrifield out there yep. um, with the way he is going. So yeah, he has just made such a massive difference to this lineup to be able to be a, a big spark at the bottom of it. Danny Jansen, uh, right included. Uh, in that conversation, but, you know, kind of reminiscent of 2015 where, you know, that lineup, obviously we know how good it was at the top with guys like Josh Donaldson and Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion, Chris Colabello, Tulo, but, you know, Ryan Goins, like he was not great. Uh, and Kevin Pillar, 
uh, albeit did have some moments, wasn't great either. But you look at this lineup and top to bottom, one to nine. I mean, there's no breaks, especially if Whit Merrifield's going and Danny Jansen is going. Um, you know, depending on what happens to left field, like if Rymel Tapia is in the lineup, maybe that's the one area where you go, oh, that doesn't make you feel great. But he's come up big so many times with just random bloop hits or he runs into one and smacks it over the fence. Like, I'm not willing to say that this lineup is – you know, better than that 2015 lineup because that lineup was absurd. Uh, but it's pretty darn close to being, you know, right up there uh, when it comes to offenses. I mean, you look at just the numbers right now on the season for all the conversations we've had about, you know, this team not being able to drive in runs with uh, runners on base. And, you know, sometimes they will just go through, you know, weird stretches where they're not particularly good. Um, their offensive numbers are one of the best in the major leagues this year. Well, I, I saw an interesting graph from uh, James in T.O. on Twitter. Uh, always great Jays related stats. Uh, J- the the Jays lineup batting order seven through nine this year, uh, whatever players it's been, have an OPS of 739. Seattle Mariners are one, two, a 730 OPS. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays three through six, a 721 OPS. You know, Seattle three through six, a 701 OPS. So, it, it you it you know really hammers home the point that you know wherever the Jays have been in the order this year, it's been pretty productive. It has felt different. It's been just more feast or famine. It seems you know there's there's stretches where everything is just clicking and they're scoring a ton of runs, and then all of a sudden it comes to a screeching halt for three to five games, and then they go cold. But on the whole, the numbers are excellent. There's no question about it. And I do think that the bottom third of the order has the potential to be a real X factor in, in the postseason. You need unexpected contributors to emerge in playoff baseball. And like you think back to it's not the same, but like everyone was looking at the Atlanta Braves last year. Was Eddie Rosario at what who everyone expected was going to basically carry them for large stretches of the postseason? Like he, I believe he won out NLCS MVP. He was on fire. The Jays have guys in the bottom third of that order uh, who could do that. Like Whit Merrifield could hit 400 over a six game series. Like the way Danny Jansen is hitting right now, he's going to play a ton, whether it's DH or catching his bat has been too good. He's going to play. He could get hot. Like even if Tapia plays a bit, his contact skills are such where he could easily have a five or six game run where he's very hot. There's lots of guys one through nine right now that are capable of having a Rosario esque type of run. Um, you know, whether it's unsung or sung, however you want to put it. And the Jays have enough of that uh, where anyone could emerge, any couple of guys could emerge. And uh, you got to like their chances of how the lineup is is configured right now and capable of attacking you in a, a lot of different ways uh, for how that might translate in a playoff series. I think that's the interesting part about this lineup right now, you know, for large parts of this season, I think, you know, a lot of people, myself included, felt, you know, this team will only go so far as their one to four hitters will take yeah. it. And for me, that was Springer, Bo, Vladdy, and Teoscar. But as we've seen right now, Danny Jansen can go hot and carry a lineup. Whit Merrifield doing what he's doing right now can help carry a lineup. So while it is true that, you know, they will need the one to four guys to play well because they're going to get the majority of the at-bats, 
there's going to be some scenarios where Danny Jansen pokes a two run double or, you know, Whit Merrifield picks up a, a two run single or something like these guys are going to play a role and it's just not going to be easy for any starting pitcher to navigate this lineup uh, with the way that they are going right now. So you mentioned uh, the catchers, Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, and, you know, let's get into the playoff roster a little bit here. Uh, 26 guys that you can take into the postseason, And there's been a lot of conversation about three catchers potentially uh, going into the postseason for the Blue Jays. You know, I've kind of gone back and forth on it. I think initially I did want to go with uh, Gabriel Moreno, uh, especially if you're going to go Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk in the starting lineup, which uh, I think you would in your optimal Blue Jays lineup. Mm -hmm. Those guys are there. Now, Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s availability is going to add a bit of a wrinkle there because if he is ready to go and just be a hitter, you know, do you want him to be the DH? Because uh, he's obviously not going to be able to start uh, in the outfield, but then that means one of Alejandro Kirk or Danny Jansen is not going to be able to play. And uh, those guys have been uh, better than Guriel Jr. Uh, at the plate this year. So, you know, that's a tough conversation to have. Uh, obviously, the Blue Jays are going to, you know, look at matchups and different things to decide how they're going to, you know, line up their uh, batting order. Um, but I just wonder, you know, with both of your catchers in there, it's pretty rare that you see, you know, your catcher go down to injury. Um, but, you know, if it does happen, you know, if we've seen it, uh, you know, foul ball off a finger or, you know, they're, you know, Danny Jansen leaving a game earlier this year getting hit in the finger, like it can happen. And I just wonder, because you rely so heavily on both of these guys, just in case, I mean, it just feels like if you don't take Gabby Moreno, you might be flirting with danger a little bit here. And if Lerner Scurriel Jr. is ready to go, I'm not sure it makes sense to take, you know, all three of Bradley Jr., Bradley Zimmer, and Rymel Tapia. Yeah, this is a really um, interesting conversation to have. I think, like, if Lourdes can't play the outfield and is exclusively a DH, then I do really think that there might be some sort of conversation to be had about maybe not taking him. I, I still think you do because his bat is such where even if, you're only looking at him more as a pinch hitter or DH in the right situation. I'd still rather have him than not, but it does beg the question, you know, what do you do if he can't play uh, the outfield and how many relievers are you taking? Like, are you, are we 100% certain Jose Barrios is cracking the wild card roster? Like I could see a situation in which you I'm don't take him. him. I think I'm probably taking him too, but like what scenario is he pitching in? Is he a tag team partner with Ross Stripling? I think that's the realistic situation, depending on what Stripling gives you. But maybe he doesn't pitch at all. If things go according to script, maybe you don't need Jose Barrios uh, in there. Is like a Zach Pop making it as a as another reliever? I think probably, but that's somebody that you you could you know, maybe only take eight relievers as opposed to nine. And then that allows you to take, you know, three catchers. It'll, and then it also allows you to take six outfielders in Springer, Teoscar, Guriel, Tapia, Zimmer, Jackie Bradley Jr. Cause I, I you know, I, I kind of want both JBJ and Zimmer. I understand, you know, Bradley Zimmer is the butt of jokes left, right, and center. When Bradley Zimmer is on the base pass and when Bradley Zimmer is in center field, Good things happen. He makes plays. He makes it happen out there. And there is probably going to be a situation late in a ball game in a tie game where Bradley Zimmer might save you a run or might 
win you a ball game going first to third or going uh, first to home on a double that some other player isn't going to be able to make because they don't have the same level of speed. So I might sacrifice an additional reliever, whether it's a Barrios or a pop or potentially uh, the third catcher. I'd rather take six outfielders than three catchers. My, I think my preference is to have three catchers and six outfielders and only eight relievers. But I think I'm probably in the minority on that. <laughs> but if I had to choose what my preference is, it's six outfielders, uh, three catchers, eight eight uh, relievers. And uh, I'm like I said, I'm probably yeah. in the vast minority on that. Yeah, I, I think you're in the minority for sure. Uh, I just, I look, it's hard not to say that Bradley Zimmer you know, can't provide value on this team. We've seen it. I mean, the guys come in as a defensive replacement, um, can get the job done. This, I mean, it really just comes down to Lourdes. Like we said, like if he's ready to go and can only be a DH, then you have a real conversation here. Like, is it worth taking that bat uh, over Bradley Zimmer, who you're not going to give, you know, at bats to, um, but, you know, he can provide that uh, outfield defense over a Rymel Tapia, over a Wood Merrifield. Like, you'd rather have him out there. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr., like, he's locked in. Like, I don't, I don't think he's not uh, making this roster. Um, but I, I just, I'm just terrified that something's going to happen to one of the catchers and then you're going to need, uh, you know, a backup catcher here. And Gabby Moreno's there. You trust him behind the plate, obviously, I think in most situations. Uh, but when it comes to the pitching, like Jose Barrios, I think you just have to take him in the case that some dumb shit happens. Like, you know, your game three starter wakes up, uh, Ross Stripling has like, uh, you know, food poisoning or something, oh, God, yeah, right? Like, yeah, I, I just yeah. think yeah, you, know, you have yeah. to, right? Like, just yeah. in case, right? You just, you, I think you would just hate yourself if you got too cute. You're like, you know what? We're only taking three starters. We know we can't start Jose Barrios, but we're just gonna, you know, leave him off the roster so we can take Bradley Zimmer or take, you know, another pitcher. Just in case, I think you have to take Jose Barrios uh, if he needs to make a game three start if something goes awry. And then at the pitchers, you know, the relievers, Romano, Garcia, Mesa, Bass, Ember, locked in, Phelps as, as well. And I think the way Zach Pop is pitched, like I think he's going and, you know, it doesn't feel great. And if he's pitching, then obviously you're like well into extras or something crazy has happened. But I think Trevor Richards is probably my, you know, back end guy um, that's sneaking in here over Yusei Kikuchi, over Mitch White, you know, over, yeah. you know, a Merriweather or an Nate Pearson. If you're Agreed. even going that far down the depth chart, like I know people can't stand Trevor Richards, but against lefties, like he's about his money uh, as it gets. You just don't want him out there against righties who um, tend to give him problems this year. Um, but yeah, I think that's my roster that, you know, Zimmer is probably not making it for me. Gabby Moreno takes his spot and then everything else is, is kind of locked into place. But you know, for you, like you say Kikuchi, I know he was great in his last outing. And you look at his numbers as a reliever, you know, there's been some bumpy road, uh, bumpy rides here. But, I mean, he's striking a lot of dudes out. And if you're taking a team on a team like Seattle, you got the revenge factor as well there. Maybe you say wants to shove it up their ass. Uh, but, like, is he at any point, in any scenario, making your playoff roster? I'll just be as succinct with this as I possibly can be. Not a fucking chance in hell. <laughs> There's just no way. There's no way. I understand that, you know, he's been good. He was great in uh, in a mop-up or an ish mop-up. You know, he gets the first save of his career. I guess it was in the first game of the Red Sox series. They were blowing them out. So 
I, I don't want a guy who might have to think between pitches and, you know, isn't confident in a postseason situation. That's a meltdown waiting to happen. And I, you just can't afford that because what scenario is Kikuchi pitching in uh, other than you're blowing a team out or you're getting blown out or something really, or you're it's the 18th inning or something like that. Right. And you need a couple of innings. Otherwise he shouldn't be anywhere near a postseason roster. Like I think, he's probably going to pitch in the final game of the season. And that's your farewell to Kikuchi for 2022. And you start fresh in, in the off season, spring training, a full off season of normal routine and whatnot, and see if you can get him back on the tracks for next year, but he can't be anywhere near a postseason roster. Yeah, I think I'm with you. That's just, uh, once again, playing with fire. If uh, you want to go with USA Kikuchi on your postseason roster. Okay, let's get to listener questions. You can get us on Twitter at DFA underscore pod at Rob Wong 34 and at Jay Goldberg 12. Our question to you on this episode is what do you think the key to a long postseason run is for the Blue Jays? Uh, at Watcher Jays says the team has a good core of position players. It's time to fill in the gap for next year with one or two legit starters and uh, two more elite bullpens wants to spend. That's more of an off season uh, question, of course, but you know, that seems to be sort of the thought here that you look at this team and look, they're not perfect. Like, I think we all believe that there are still, you know, some issues with this squad, but Again, like you referenced the Atlanta Braves earlier. Like, I don't think anybody thought heading into last year's postseason that this is the most complete team we've ever seen. You know, they're going to run the table. Like, it was pretty surprising that they were able to go all the way uh, and win it. And we see it time and time again. You do not have to be the best team in the regular season to go into a playoffs and win the World Series. It's actually pretty rare that that happens. I mean, just ask the L.A. Dodgers. How many times have they you know, been massive favorites heading into the postseason and just, you know, stumbled at the finish line or, you know, didn't make it out of the the a, the NLCS. Like, it happens. And you look at this team uh, in the Blue Jays right now, and it's hard not to see the potential that they have. If they can figure it out for three weeks, four weeks, like, they could win it all. That would not be surprising, I think, to anybody if they ran the table and actually won a World Series in 2022 which is pretty fucking crazy to say because we've spent like the last five months of our lives complaining numerous times about how shitty this team is and how can they not figure it out. And here we are and they've got a chance as good of a chance as a lot of other teams. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely within the real somewhat realistic possible outcomes. It could happen. I think it's, you know, it's real hard, obviously. And there's, there is a good element of, Uh, luck and fortune and misfortune for other teams uh, to go on to win the world series. You just got to, you know, kind of harness lightning in a bottle a little bit for it to happen, but you're right. Not always the best team goes on to win the world series. Like if I were a betting man, would I say one of the Braves, Mets, Dodgers, Astros, I suppose I don't really want to throw the Yankees into that mix. Also will win the world series. Yeah, for sure. Those are, I would say, Head and shoulders are the best teams in baseball and have been all year. But like you said, the Braves were not that. They didn't have Ronald Acuna Jr. last year, and they won the World Series. The 2019 Washington Nationals, I understand they had a ton of talent, a lot of good players, really good pitching. But was anyone expecting it? They didn't have some lock it down insane bullpen and they found a way. You know, like Daniel Hudson, <laughs> yeah. who was a Blue Jay earlier that year, recorded the final out of the World Series in game seven. The strange shit happens in October and I guess this year, potentially in November as well. 
I, I have no vibe as to what could happen. Like, would I be equal parts surprised uh, or not surprised rather if the Jays get swept out too straight in the wild card as they would be, you know, to be in the World Series? Absolutely. Either mm-hmm. of those things could absolutely 100% happen and I wouldn't be mind blown either way. That's the beauty and perhaps also the curse or horror of postseason baseball. That's what makes it so unique, so insane, so crazy. All sorts of crazy stuff often happens that you had no possible way of predicting was a possibility or even a remote likelihood ends up coming to fruition. You just got to sit back, relax, which is impossible. Nobody is actually going to be able to and try and enjoy it as much as possible, because to me, there really is nothing quite like postseason baseball um, in any of the other major professional sports. Yeah, all you have to do is just look at Blue Jays postseason history and even recent, you know, postseason history. 2015, you know, if we're just looking on paper, that team should have won, but they didn't because they ran into some Royals bullshit. Uh, you know, Abe Lincoln's reaching over the fence to grab a home run, like just weird, dumb stuff happens. Yeah, There's Jesus. the delay, the rain delay that, you know, led to whatever and Jose Bautista throwing in the wrong, like just weird stuff. Uh, in 2015 and then 2016 you're thinking hey they got a pretty good chance here against um, Cleveland and fucking Ryan Merritt shows up and pitches the game of his life and you know Andrew Miller is a beast and the Blue Jays are out and you're just like what the hell just happened like this is ridiculous like it felt like they were going to the World Series again so you know crazy stuff happens uh, all the time come the postseason Uh, James and T.O. who you referenced earlier says uh, lots of taters that'll be key for the Blue Jays road guy diggers and K's Sebastian says starting pitching and bullpen being as effective as it has been lately. Of course, the pitching um, has to show up for sure. Uh, Zach chimes in and says, Vladdy, those double plays will be backbreakers in the playoffs. We need him to step up. Obviously, that would be huge. And I've been thinking a lot about Vladdy heading into this postseason. Of course, he had the famous line in spring training. You know, last year was the trailer. Uh, This year, you're going to see the movie and the movies, you know, trending at like 75% on Rotten Tomatoes so far this year. Uh, It's got some potential, but maybe hasn't lived up to the hype just yet. But, you know, I I keep thinking about him in the respect that he's had a good season. Like, it's not been great, obviously. It hasn't been as bad as as some people has made it out to be. You know, the last couple of weeks, the last month here has been pretty gross. He's had some moments here or there. But if he has a good playoff, I mean, that'll just completely erase the last five months. And like, that's usually how it works. I mean, you know, Jose Bautista, I don't remember what his numbers were in 2015 in the regular season. I know they were good. Were were they like absolutely elite? I don't remember, but he had an incredible playoffs. And obviously, you know, that home run, uh, we all remember made a big difference. And he goes down in history as one of the greatest Blue Jays ever. You know, I think that could happen here for Vladdy. If he has a signature moment that allows the Blue Jays to win a series, win a big game, no one is going to remember the double plays that he hit into in the month of September. Like all people will remember from the 2022 season is that moment from Vladdy. So he, you know, Bo Bichette, a lot of these other guys, you know, Matt Chapman's been ice cold. Doesn't take much, but if they can, you know, play well here in the wild card series or for the next however many days and weeks the Blue Jays are playing here in October, they have a chance to to change the narrative just in a heartbeat. Yeah, legends are made in October. That's what you remember. Uh, you could have, like you said, the shittiest season in the world. If the Cleveland 
you know, whatever they were at the time when, when the 2016 world series, Rajay Davis is walks on water in that city. And he's still, that's still a super memorable moment uh, hitting that home run off of Chapman there and whatever was the eighth inning of game seven stuff like that happens. And, you know, you can change the equation in the blink of an eye. And, you know, like if I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least somewhat alarmed about Vladdy going forward. He's got to figure out a way to get the ball in the air again, because if he can't do that for whatever reason, whatever, if it's swing stuff, mechanics, if you want to talk about the weight again, if that maybe is into the equation as well, that's caps his ceiling. And instead of being an MVP contender, he's merely just an all-star, a very good player that changes how you look at the Blue Jays a little bit going forward if you don't have that mega star that everyone anticipated. But that's neither here nor there when it pertains to the playoffs. All he has to do is just get things right a little bit. And even if he's not hitting home runs, which we all hope that he does and figures it out, have better at bats. There's been too much expanding the zone, swinging. His walk rate has cratered. Even if you aren't hitting balls into the stratosphere in the postseason, take a bag here or there. If you can get on base, base runners are precious cargo in the playoffs. You want to maximize the amount of them that you have and how productive you can be with them. And if he's not doing it in the conventional way, which is extra base hits and driving and runs and, and obviously hitting home runs, then figure out other ways to be a contributor. And, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm not necessarily saying I'm expecting it, but he's good enough and a good enough, uh, obviously talent. And I think his mind is sharp enough that he can still be a contributor um, for this team in the postseason, even if it doesn't come in the way that, uh, that so many are pining for. So other people have mentioned uh, the bullpen, of course, that's going to be key. The rotation, uh, whether it's Alec Manoa, Kevin Gossman, Ross Stripling, whoever in this wild card series. But, you know, the one spot area I'm surprised people haven't brought up and it sort of crept up recently and it's been, you know, throughout the lineup, throughout the team, like up and down uh, this entire season has been, you know, the mental mistakes and sometimes the defensive errors or base running errors. And there's still young guys on this team. I mean, Vladdy, I think we all forget, like guy's still really young. He's 23 years old. Bo Bichette, right around that age as well. And, you know, recently we've seen those guys make some errors on the base paths. You know, Bo Bichette's defensive numbers, you know, the defensive run save this year have just been atrocious um, for whatever reason. Too many routine plays he's messed up whether it's you know throws or just trying to field uh the ball Teoscar Hernandez you know watching balls hit off the top of the wall not running out of the box you know quick enough um you know we've seen it with a lot of different guys I'd be lying if I said that wasn't concerning that you know in a crucial game you know Bo Bichette is not going to be able to make a routine throw in a yeah. one-run ball game or you know Vladdy gets thrown out at second trying to stretch a double you know a rocket off the wall uh into a double you know that stuff's going to happen i think like you said you try to sit back and relax and just understand that you know things are going to happen in a baseball game um sometimes they're just not going to work in your favor even if you make the right decision um but i'd be lying if i said that you know there weren't some concerns that some of the things we've seen this season may just crop up at the absolute uh worst time over the next uh week and a bit here oh yeah it's a absolutely a, a fair thing to be worried about you know the lack of effort situations that have 
uh, arisen at times, like you said, defensive miscues, base running. That shit cannot happen in the playoffs because if stuff like that ends up costing you outs, runs, like you think back to the Yankee series, the lack of communication on a pop-up, Springer doesn't call anything, it drops, a couple of runs score. That just is unacceptable. It should be unacceptable unaccept- in game two of the regular season, let alone you know, postseason, but you have to be sharp, disciplined, all of those things. You can't be beating yourself because if you're not, you know, locked in focus, all of those things and the moment maybe is too big for you, then you're dead. You're dead before you even step on the field. If, if stuff like that is part of the psyche whatsoever, then you have no chance. So the Jays have to find a way you know, they have had too many issues with it this year. So it is absolutely something to take into consideration, be concerned about. But if they can't root that out, then it's probably going to be something that ends up holding them back and and being a difference maker in an earlier exit than they would like. All right, let's uh, wrap this thing up with our Tay Oscars. And generally, we would give them for Player of the Week. I uh, should also mention, I mean, Alec Manoa just won the AL Pitcher of the Month. And uh, why would he not? It was uh, sensational sensational in the final uh, month of the season in September, just putting up absurd numbers. And I feel like he's uh, going to play a role here. But let's go with our Tay Oscars uh, for the year, Josh. I mean, you can pick uh, maybe one position player and uh, one pitcher that uh, you would select for your MVPs. But uh, is there, you know, one or two guys that you just want to give a special mention to that have, you know, really been the the bright spots for this team that uh, have, you know, played their roles to a point that have gotten to the Blue Jays uh, back to the playoffs and potentially hosting a, a wild card series? Well, I'm taking my Danny Jansen victory lap. I have to, yeah. right? As the Danny Jansen guy, a resident Danny Jansen guy, uh, when it comes to this sort of thing, I understand that he missed a substantial amount of time again. You know, he's not even going to get to 75 games played. He only played 70 last year. You know, that's certainly still a concern with him as injuries, but you're talking about somebody who's been almost worth three wins, good defensively career numbers across the board and basically every major category uh, that you'd like, you know, WRC plus home runs. Uh, he's tied for his career high as we record this in RBIs. You know, he's striking out the fewest uh, amount of times per plate appearance in his career. He's hitting the ball hard, everything. It's great. And it's a, a testament, you know, to, I think his stick with it ability, you know, it was very easy to just look at this as a lost year. You know, that finger injury came back. He was struggling, you know, after the all-star break for a stretch, he was really struggling. And then the calendar flipped to September and he's been a completely different guy. And, it's a great thing to see, and it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in the offseason with this with these three catchers. You know, did he make himself like indispensable uh, to the point where he's not going to get traded? Does it increase the likelihood that he gets traded? Is his value so high that you do look at trading him? But all, all the same, just an incredible year, even in a smaller sample size and tip my cap to him in a big way. Yeah, Danny Jansen, uh, always going to be, you know, very high uh, in our charts uh, with regards to, you know, Blue Jays players and uh, hope he's here next year because I I think a lot of people wondering, you know, what's going to happen in the offseason to the Blue Jays move 
Danny Jansen, do they move Gabby Moreno? I don't think you're moving Alejandro Kirk. Like, I think he has shown that this is a guy uh, you want to be riding with because uh, yeah. he's improved so much behind the plate and uh, obviously has been so good uh, offensively. But, uh, you know, if Danny Jansen has to be the piece that moves on, uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, Gabby Moreno is pushing he is coming uh, towards the major leagues and uh, I think he's going to be a player too so going to be some tough uh, decisions in the offseason uh, for the Blue Jays you know it's funny I was just trying to look this up because I uh, just was reminded of uh, your you know predictions from earlier this season I was looking for my own I did find uh-huh. yours um, now look uh, at the beginning of the season when we made these and I think it was our first episode things change like really quickly I think when you were talking about Greg Bird I think it was the yeah, same day Jesus. that he got, he got released, right? Yeah. He, uh, he was like, I, I'm out of here. I don't want to do anything uh, with the Blue Jays. And God, what's even happened to Greg Bird? Like, I haven't heard about him yeah. all season. Yeah. Like, nothing happened. I think he went to the Yankees minor leagues and just, I don't know, fucked off. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, but you uh, predicted that uh, Julian Merriweather would pitch 50-plus innings with a sub-325 ERA. I think we know what happened there. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi with a, a lower ERA than Hunjin Ryu. Uh, now that's interesting because I need to look this up. Uh, have you looked it up? Yusei Kikuchi's numbers compared to uh, Hunjin Ryu, who obviously did not make it through the uh, entire season before undergoing win that. Uh, Tommy John. But uh, let's see. got a 5 6 7 there ERA. Kikuchi's got a 5 2 7 ERA. What a win. It. You did Two it. guys who were absolute dog shit. And I got the guy who <laughs> was the lesser, the less smelly of the shit in that situation. I guess a win's a win, but yikes. Oh, Merriweather. Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Or I guess in this case, you lose way more. But you're going out on a limb, right? These are these are bold predictions. Like how often do bold, really bold predictions end up coming true? Right. Yeah, no, that sort is very a... true. Uh, unfortunately, I have not been able to find mine, not because I'm trying to avoid them, because I remember one of them, and it was Nate Pearson uh, makes the all-star team, which, yeah. look, uh, we I don't need to talk about that, about that anymore. I was yeah. uh, pretty high on Nate Pearson coming into the season, but uh, guy didn't pitch a single inning in the major league, so that just goes to show you how bad... Uh, that one was, uh, but yeah, uh, bold predictions are bold for a reason. Like you said, I think another one of mine was Matt Chapman um, would be top five in uh, MVP voting. Now uh, I'm not going to take a win uh, on it by any means, but he's had a really good season and has obviously been, uh, you know, a lot better than he was a season ago yeah. uh, with the Oakland athletics. Um, so he's gotten back there, you know, the defensive numbers maybe have uh, slid just a little bit, but the bat's been great great uh much better than it was last year and the trade has been an absolute win so yeah. you know looking at his fangrass war 4.1 which is where it was last year but the defensive numbers last year in oakland were much much better the offensive numbers have gotten better this year as a member of the blue jays so uh like i said not going to take a win there but obviously uh it has worked out in the blue jays favor but uh, if this is anything it is maybe uh, don't make bold predictions uh moving forward anymore because uh, they'll just <laughs> never come to fruition and they will bite you in the ass uh, time and time again. Uh, so once again, getting back to our Tay Oscars for the year, you know, hard not to give a shout out to Alec Manoa. He's yeah. going to get some, uh, uh, sorry, Cy Young votes, I think, uh, in the American League. 
you know, maybe he has an outside chance of winning it with his performance in September, but I think it's unlikely. You know, I think uh, the voters are probably going to look elsewhere there with guys like, you know, maybe a Dylan Cease or Justin Verlander, of course. Um, you know, Shohei Otani has been phenomenal this season, but, you know, Alec Manoa definitely deserves to be in that conversation. You know what? I think he's probably my MVP for the Jays this year. You know, who knows where they would be uh, without his performance. But, you know, beyond that, I'm going to give a shout out to Ross Stripling, who picked up a lot of the slack in the rotation when yeah. Hunjin Ryu uh, went down. The bullpen has been uh, great this year with guys like Jimmy Garcia, you know, David Phelps. We've talked about how underrated he's been this year. And then offensively, I mean, it's been so balanced this year, uh, which is, you know, really interesting because last year, you know, Vladdy, of course, um, carried the torch for pretty much the entire season for the Blue Jays. But, you know, Matt Chapman deserves recognition. George Springer, who, despite being injured, like for a large part of the year, uh, is second on the team in Fangraph's war, uh, just Goes to show you how incredible of a player he is, whether he's hurt, whether he's not hurt. He's been great. Bo Bichette uh, has obviously turned things on over the last, you know, four to six weeks here. So, you know, as far as my position player MVP, I think he can go in a lot of different places, but it's really just the team as a whole uh, when it comes to the position players. Each guy, I think, has had, you know, different moments throughout the season where they have uh, carried the ball and uh, run with it. Yeah, I, I don't think that I have a. I would pro- honestly probably go with a Chapman, to be honest, just because of I think I know that there's some inconsistencies and and people say, oh, well, he's not having the same kind of defensive metric season that he's accustomed to. He's a real presence uh, to to have, and you know, he's going to play close to every game at third base, premium position, better than league average offensive season. Like I, I think Kirk is another candidate, but he's leveled off a little bit. There hasn't been anyone from start to finish who has been so consistently great that it's hard to really separate from the pack. I think those would be the two that come to my mind as Chapman uh, and Kirk. And then obviously Manoa is the MVP, I think, of the team and the pitching. And then Ross Stripling deserves honorable mention because Kikuchi was bad, Ryu was bad, and then hurt. Where on earth would this Blue Jays team be without Ross Stripling? And the answer is, you know, probably in the playoffs, but not in the driver's seat to finish with the top wild card spot. So Ross Stripling in a contract year, quite a season, really impressive. Yeah, tip of the cap to uh, Ross Stripling, who uh, just picked up so much slack when Hunjin Ryu went down. All right, that'll do it for the regular season here on DFA Pod. Uh, We'll probably try to do, uh, at the very least, an emergency pod for whenever we find out uh, who the Blue Jays will be playing heading into the wildcard series, where they will be playing. That still needs to be decided as well. But for Josh, I'm Rob. Thanks for tuning in. You can get us on Twitter at DFA underscore pod at Rob Wong 34 and at Jay Goldberg 12. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the designated for assignment podcast.